At their last annual general meeting, the union that represents 45,000 Ontario English Catholic teachers passed a motion to march in the June 29th Pride Parade in downtown Toronto. Needless to say, this has caused some controversy. It's clear to me that teachers may want to do something public that shows their support for their students who may be marginalized. But it's naive of them to think that marching in the Pride Parade is the way to achieve this. Let me be clear. The Catholic Church teaches, and Catholic teachers, if anyone should know this, that sex belongs in the context of marriage. Why? Because it is in marriage, in fact, in that fruitful and total union that can only happen between one man and one woman, that we come closest to being an image of God. Because in marriage, we come closest to loving another human being the way God loves us, freely, faithfully, fruitfully, and totally. We can almost say that God created marriage to safeguard our sexuality. Because of this, any sexual behavior that takes place outside of marriage is immoral. Back to the Pride Parade. It is not just an event that expresses support to the gay community. It is also an event that glorifies a certain lifestyle, all kinds of sexual behavior, and supports the idea that homosexual unions are the same as marriage. And does so through displays of public nudity and a sexualization of the human person. It is naive for anyone to think that if they march, they can do so only in support of marginalized young people, but not also in support of everything else the parade supports and celebrates. So, for Catholic teachers to march sends a confusing message. Those who will see the Ontario English Catholic Teachers Association banner in the parade may think that these teachers support everything that the parade and Pride Week celebrates. And they may think that all 45,000 Catholic English teachers in Ontario support this action, when in fact, only 800 teachers were at the annual general meeting. Either you support everything Pride stands for, or you don't march. It's that simple. In the words of the Cardinal Archbishop of Toronto, Thomas Collins, what are they thinking? I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. This is our final show of the season. First off, our winner this week is Terry Blumat. Terry Blumat, I hope I'm not mispronouncing your name, but you've won a copy of last week's featured album, Sweet Dolor by Tori Harris. If you haven't contacted us yet, Terry Blumat, please do so so we can get you your prize. And that's the last week of prize giving for the season. We will resume giving away prizes in the fall, but you can still sign up. So if you want to win, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and sign up. You can also comment on our posts at facebook.com slash slradio1. In fact, anyone listening to the show live Saturday or Sunday right now, go to Facebook, write a comment, and we'll make sure you get entered into our weekly draw. Today, Sister Marie Paul Curley returns to talk about a movie. It's a children's film that's in about 15 minutes, just after Alicia's News and Andrew's Saint of the Week. And after that, Father Tom Rosica has a reflection for the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I know that that was on Friday, but we can always use a good reflection. In our second half hour, we're going to be talking about sex trafficking. There's a new film called Red Light, Green Light that tries to figure out how to put an end 
to sex trafficking. And we're going to be speaking with filmmaker Jay Brock in about half an hour. And to send us off for the summer, Jackie Francois returns as our featured artist this week. Since we last spoke to her, she's gotten married, so she's now Jackie Francois Angel. That's her new name. And she's going to be at the very first Steubenville Toronto Conference next week. So we have lots to talk about. All that coming up. But first, let's start with a song. Here's Jackie Francois Angel with Your Love Is Better from her album Divine Comedy. was Jackie Francois Angel with Your Love is Better from her album Divine Comedy. And we're going to be speaking with Jackie in our second half hour and in about 10 minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first, Alicia is here with our news because lots happens in the Vatican in the summer. Yeah, that's what they tell me. Especially with Francis, he doesn't take a holiday. Yes. So first, actually, we should talk about precisely that. There was much ado last week, over the last week, about the Pope's summer schedule because Mm -hmm. he's actually canceling his general audiences and the Santa Marta masses. So, of course, this caused chaos and, and concern and widespread, oh, my goodness, the Pope's health, the Pope's health. Yes. 
he canceled his audiences last year as well and the Santa Marta masses. Mm -hmm. And it was basically at the request of everyone who works with him asking him, please slow down. (laughs) If you're not going to take a holiday, please slow down. Because as you know, and as many of our listeners would know, Rome in August is unbearable. Yes. You do not want to be sitting, or July, you do not want to be sitting in a piazza. Yeah, and everybody leaves anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, but moving on, there. Once we realize, once we figured out that the Pope is not in declining health, and he may have gained weight, but so what? Who cares? Um, that was one of the headlines. Interesting. Yes. Pope gains weight. Pope gains weight in office. So, the much-awaited Instrumentum Laboris, or the working document yes. for the extraordinary synod, was released. So, this is the synod that's going to be in. October. October on the family. Yes, on the pastoral challenges to the family. I think yes. more famously, this is the synod for which the synod released a questionnaire. Yes. Now, not everyone would have had the chance to answer to this questionnaire. I'm told no. that a lot of the U.S. dioceses did not circulate this questionnaire widely. They kept mm-hmm. it uh, just to the bishops. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also differences in the Canadian across Canada. Some mm-hmm. distributed it to parishes. Some published it online. Yeah, yes. and some did not. Some no. bishops just kind of kept it to their mm-hmm. close uh, advisors. Yes. Regardless, um, we're seeing for the first time kind of the the results of that questionnaire. And what we're seeing is not necessarily surprising. It's just the first time that it's been put into mm-hmm. words. So we're seeing that in North America, in Western Europe, there are declining birth rates. There's a declining understanding of what the church teaches about marriage and the family and the transmission of the faith in the family. Mm-hmm. And in places like Latin America and Asia, there is a more... Um, vibrant grasp of that there's there's still traditional values but we're also seeing in this document the the way that the local culture affects what the challenges are mm-hmm. so in north america the challenges to the family also include things like work and social media mm-hmm. this document says that um social media and mobile devices have essentially hijacked the leisure time of families yeah. whereas in asia the real problem facing families is countries with a long-standing atheistic tradition mm-hmm. where a lot of Catholics, most Catholics are married to non-believers mm-hmm. or atheists, and that presents a completely different set of challenges. Right. So one of the things that, that jumped out in this thing is there is an acknowledgement that priests need to be better prepared to be able to deal with the new difficult pastoral situations that are being presented. So things like divorced Catholics, divorced and remarried Catholics, um, people in same-sex unions, Mm -hmm. and the children of people in same-sex unions. Pastors, probably more in North America and Western Europe, are seeing this, Mm -hmm. and they don't have any clear guidelines on what to do. So there's a real request for guidelines there. One really interesting thing, um, the bishops around the world pointed out that, yes, there needs to be be better preparation for the sacrament of marriage, mm-hmm. but there also needs to be more education about what makes a marriage invalid. Mm-hmm. So they pointed yes. out that you have Catholics who are perhaps divorced and not seeking an annulment yes, because they, they believe don't. their first marriage was valid because yeah. they don't know what would have made that marriage invalid. Yes. So. Yeah, it's that's just a, it's complicated. But those are some of the hot button issues that are in there. But underlying all of it, the bishops are saying 
we need to do a better job mm -hmm. at education. Good. We need to do a better job at education and filling in the gaps in our pastoral care. Good. So it should be a very it interesting discussion in October. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I haven't looked at the document yet, but I, I will uh, very soon. Um, thank you, Alicia. Enjoy the summer. I know you're also taking a break from Vatican Connections. Yes, we'll be on hiatus, but we are. I am developing a new project okay. along with Sheridan Sanders, and hopefully we'll have more details on that. I'll be able to talk more oh, about so that. You're not tell us I can say now. that it's about women in the church. Good. Um, and we're still in the kind of shaping process okay, of it. Excellent. Looking forward to that. So Alicia Ambrosio is our uh, Salt and Light Radio news producer. She's also our Vatican Connection. Be sure to watch her every week when the show is on, <laughs> not in the summer. Um, although the, all those shows are on demand at saltandlighttv.org, and you can follow her at Vati Connections. Hi, this is Father Rob Gallia, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me at DeaconPedro.com and also on Facebook. Just search for Deacon Pedro and my Twitter handle is at DeaconPedroGM. And now it's time for Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew, Deacon, well, how are you? I'm good. 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 So Summer months are upon us. I can't believe it's your last show. Summer months is upon us and, and we're getting summer storms and... Tell me about tornadoes it. And, and, you know, things usually slow down for us uh, in the summer, but no, I think they just no, get, uh, get yeah, busier. I'm exactly. hoping that the weather's going to hold out. Exactly. So, so who's our saint today? Okay, well, <laughs> okay, before I go into um, our saint for the summer, I uh -huh. guess I'll leave our listeners with the saint for the summer. Um, there's kind of this, like, ongoing battle. It's probably not the best word to use, but there's this, like, ongoing conversation uh -huh. uh, in the parish offices here in Markham because we don't know who to turn to. Um, for the patron saint of weather. Uh -huh. So our pastor, interestingly enough, has a fond uh, devotion to Barbara, St. Barbara, uh -huh. and he uh, you know, intercedes to her you know, whenever he's going away on a holiday or whether he's doing something outdoors. So he turns to St. Barbara. Other people don't believe in it. Some people do. So I thought I would do a little bit of research and see who should we be praying to for weather. I know all the saints are up there. Um, they don't have to worry about weather, and <laughs> I bet any of them can help us with, we with weather, really. Yeah when you come to think of it. Yeah. But um, there's a few in particular that um, we should be looking to um, in cases of bad weather or rain. So I'm happy to kind of share one story today. Okay, so right. who's... St. Medard. Have you ever heard of St. Medard? I have never heard of St. Medard. St. Medard the bishop. All right. He was born around 456 in Salency in France. Okay. His father was a noble Frenchman, and his mother uh, came from a Roman family. And his mother instilled into St. Medard a very keen compassion for the poor. Mm -hmm. um, so his practice of Christian virtue was uh, very well known, very obvious as a young boy. And we know that his commitment to the poor was very evident, um, that he had difficulty in walking by a poor man in the street and not giving that man what he had had. And right. that could have been... Uh, really, anything from his shoes to his cloak, and one time he even gave away his horse. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. When he looked after the cattle in his father's grounds, um, as most students or kids did in uh, France in that time, he often deprived himself of his dinner to divide it among the needy. Mm -hmm. So St. Medard's parents sent him to study scripture with the local bishop, who was very, very surprised with Medard's um, learning, like how fast he was able to learn. Uh, his prayer, his piety, obedience, and especially his humility. And funny, because St. Medard never thought of himself like that. 
he thought of himself um, as lazy and imperfect. So he was ordained a priest in about 490 and was consecrated Bishop of Vermand in 530. So he moved to the sea, to the Diocese of Vermand, um, a year later because it was a city better defended against invasion, um, mm-hmm. invasion during that time. The Pope, back then in that day, his name was Pope Hormistus, uh-huh. and he appointed St. Medard um, to the see of Tournai, uh, which he presided over along with that of Vermont in France. And he had great success in converting the remaining pagans um, in that area to Jesus and the Church. So King Clotaire, mm-hmm. who always honored uh, St. Medard as a living saint, heard that he was sick and went to go and pay him a visit, and even to receive his blessing. So St. Medard died of an illness in 545 at the age of 89. He lived a long, very fruitful life. And the whole kingdom um, was saddened by his death, was saddened by the loss of, of him. Um, and they looked to him really as their common father and protector. So St. Medard, uh, bishop, he hailed from France. His feast day is on June the 8th. Okay. Very, very recent. Mm-hmm. So uh, we look to St. Medard, whatever you're doing this summer, whether you're outdoors or wherever your journeys are going to take you, um, don't forget about the church. Uh, <laughs> don't forget about the power of God and the saints in our life. And look to St. Medard, um, because he is considered the patron saint against bad weather and for rain. Okay, so good. So St. Medard. I hope, I hope that doesn't mean that we're expecting bad weather this summer. I How hope not. Good but weather. Tuesdays, anybody living in... Um, anybody living in southern Ontario, even into parts of Quebec, we've been yes. hit with some crazy weather. Yes, I know. I know. Lots of tornadoes and wind storms. Anyway, thank you, Andrew. Have Enjoy a the summer. summer, Deacon. You too. Our Saint expert, Andrew Santos, is Youth Director at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario. Hey, I'm Tori Harris, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. You can find me on Facebook. You can also find Salt and Light Radio on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash slradio1 and be sure to like our page. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Great to be here. So you've been uh, uh, going to see some children's movies. Yes, I have. And I, I found one that I really liked, and I, I wanted to talk about it. Okay. Because I was quite surprised. Uh, I guess you would say that the Lego movie could be considered a 110-minute commercial for a children's toy. But yeah. actually, um, it has a lot more messages than that. And uh, it's not just wholesome and fun entertainment, but it really takes... The filmmakers go a step further to give some really good messages in the film. Okay, so tell us about it. The, uh, it's, it, I mean, in one line, an ordinary Lego figure finds a relic, which is uh, a human artifact that is not part of the Lego world. Okay. You know, it's not a block piece or whatever. Okay. And when he finds this relic, he's mistaken to be the special who's in a prophecy. Um, and this, this, the special is going to save the Lego world. Uh, so we, we begin with seeing Emmett as the most ordinary, generic logo figure you could possibly imagine. Uh-huh. Um, he's a construction worker, and he's so generic that yeah. he um, follows his instruction manual to do everything. Um, but he's practically invisible to his neighbors and friends and coworkers. So unknown to Emmett, however, President Business, who's president of 
of this particular Lego world is really a mastermind criminal who has sought to control the, the Lego world and is imposing um, order and perfection it, to the point of sacrificing freedom. Mm-hmm. So I meant over here that President Business is going to glue all the Lego, Lego people and worlds into place. And of course, that will paralyze everyone and take away everyone's freedom and change the world. And so that's what he's supposed to overcome. But um, it, it, he gets in this role of an, because of an accident, um, and then um, when people start calling him special, they start realizing he's really not special at all. He's quite ordinary. Um, matter of fact, he couldn't be more unqualified to carry out this super heroic mission um, than possible, you know. So uh, he, you know, so it's his journey. Um, it, it, the movie takes us to these various Lego worlds. Um, which are very colorful. Um, there is a lot of intense action and, and chasing. Uh, there's also a romantic interest with Wild Style, uh-huh. um, who initially rescues him and then is completely disillusioned by how ordinary he is. But by the end of the film, um, and I'm not going to reveal um, any of the twists, uh, there's a really nice twist that surprises, I think, many adults as well as kids. Um, at the end of the film, um, Emmett discovers that he really is special, but it's not a specialness that takes away from everyone else, you know? So he discovers that his, you know, his special power is the special is to be able to offer his hand in friendship to everyone. Um, and that we all have moments when our gifts are needed, when we're called to do something special that kind of saves the day. Um, but we all take turns, and so we fit together as well as being special. So I, I, just to sum up, the plot in particular is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, from, you know, from, some, from a twist that actually reveals why everything doesn't make sense. Um, don't worry, if you're, if you're an adult <laughs> like me and you watch the first 20 minutes of the film and you're like, I don't get what's going on, really. Like, I get it, but I don't. You know, it's a little confusing. Um, it doesn't matter, and you'll find that out. Um, but even the way they do the final resolution um, of dealing with president business is, is reinforces that message. So, um, you know, some people like, you know, for superhero movies like, like the Lego movie, um, you know, a superhero movie for tots, some people have pointed out that, um, you know, Emmett could even be seen as a Christ figure because he does, you know, sacrifice himself for others. And, and that is a beautiful aspect of the film. But where I think the film really stands out is this twofold message for, you know, for really all of us about yearning to be special and yearning to be recognized for who we are um, and how that specialness fits with being part of the community. Mm-hmm. So, like, whether you see the show as, um, the show's theme as the tension between, like, creative types versus organized types or individuality versus conformity, really uh, the message of the film is so beautiful about how we are all part of the human community. And you can even bring it into, you know, St. Paul's passage from 1 Corinthians 12, hmm. uh, where we're all the part of the body yeah. of Christ. So, um, have you seen The Avengers? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. That film, um, in a way, reminds me a lot, the Lego movie reminds me a lot of The Avengers, except it's for much younger children. However, there's so many pop culture references to the 80s and 90s, and some really, okay. actually, rather learned historical references that uh-huh. I think even adults can get a lot out of the Lego movie. Okay. So, I do recommend it for families. Good. So, it is clearly for the whole family, not just for the little ones? Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, you know, fly winks for the adults and, and even the older kids in the audience as well. Um, I guess if you're not a Lego fan, 
um, which I, I never played with Legos as a kid, so okay. um, I don't know if it gets the primary colors and the blockiness uh-huh. gets a little overwhelming, but I found myself <laughs> enjoying it after about 20 minutes. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. I, I'm sure there's a lot of Lego <laughs> fans out there, me, me so. included and my kids. So thank you very much. So the Lego movie, good movie for the whole family. Thank you, Sister Marie Paul. Have a good summer. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. You too. God bless. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Hi, this is Jason Everett from ChastityProject.com, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. June has always been the month devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, clearly one of the most popular and significant devotions within the Church. This devotion's decline in our time is all the more striking because of its preeminence in the first half of the 20th century, when so many Catholic families, my family included, had a picture of Jesus and his Sacred Heart displayed in their homes. And when Thursday night, Holy Hours, and First Fridays proliferated in parishes, Devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus has suffered cardiac arrest in recent decades. It has been dismissed as superstitious in its apparent guarantee of salvation to those who practice it, as masochistic in its emphasis on making reparation for Jesus' own suffering. Like many forms of heart disease, such atrophy could have been prevented through a healthy diet, in this case, scripture and tradition. The heart what the late great Jesuit theologian Father Karl Rahner has called a primordial word, is a powerful metaphor in the Bible. It signifies the wellspring of life, the totality of one's being. The prophet Ezekiel records God's promises to change Israel's heart of stone into a heart of flesh, while John's Gospel gives the heart its most profound spiritual expression and scriptural expression. Jesus' heart is the source of living water, of rest for the beloved disciple, of the church and its sacraments, of doubting Thomas's faith. Jesus revealed his sacred heart to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, a Visitandine nun in 17th century France. From 1673 to 1675, at the Visitation Convent of Paris-le-Monial, Margaret Mary received a series of four revelations from Christ about his heart. He showed himself in a way that she could understand, with a heart, a human heart aflame with love. He told her that he would be present in a special way to those devoted to his sacred heart, and that his presence would lead to peace in families, the conversion of sinners, blessings in abundance, and perseverance when death was near. This new devotion offered a tender, compassionate spirituality that helped to renew the church encountered Jansenism's severity and sectarianism. Devotion to the Sacred Heart helps us experience Christ's presence in our hearts, in our homes, and in the Eucharist. It inspires us to love our family members, to be compassionate and forgiving towards others, and to reach out to those who are poor and weak. In other words, this devotion helps us to be better disciples. The deepest meaning of the devotion, however, might be glimpsed in a poet who does not even mention it, Dante Alighieri. At the dark bottom of Dante's inferno, Satan is frozen in ice up to his chest, crying tears and drooling bloody foam, his six wings bellowing cold wind upward. Wedged into the inverted apex of the underworld, he is locked in his own resentment, impotent and utterly alone. 
Hell, the Inferno makes clear, is not fire, but ice, cold, crabbed isolation. Paradise is pure communion, illuminated and warm by the love that moves the sun and the other stars. In today's love-starving world, how we need to follow the example of Jesus Christ and his unspeakable love for us. If there's one adjective that describes the modern world, it is loveless. This world is a selfish world, so preoccupied with the present and immediate that it gives almost no thought to eternity and the everlasting joys that await those who have served God faithfully here on earth. God puts into our lives so many occasions for loving people who obviously do not love us or giving ourselves to people who have never given themselves to us. How desperately we need, especially in today's world, to learn that God became man in order to suffer and die out of love for us on the cross. That is what devotion to the Sacred Heart is all about. It is the practice of selfless love towards selfish people. It is giving ourselves to persons that do not give themselves to us. In all of our lives, God has placed selfish persons who may be physically close to us, but spiritually are strangers and even enemies. That is why God places unkind, unjust, even cruel people into our lives. By loving them, we show something of the kind of love that God expects of his followers. The price of reaching heaven is the practice of selfless love here on earth. 72 times a minute, 4,320 times an hour, 103,680 times a day, almost 38 million times a year, over 2.6 billion times in the course of an average life. Fist size, the human heart beats powerfully and durably. It must be sturdy enough to contract and send fresh blood throughout the entire body, elastic enough to collect spent deoxygenated blood, too much hardness or softness of heart and one dies. Only a healthy heart, strong and supple, can give and receive life blood. May the Sacred Heart of Jesus heal our coronary infirmities. Father Thomas Rosica is a Brazilian priest. He's the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and the executive producer of this program. You can follow him on Twitter at Father Rosica. Coming up in our second half hour, can sex trafficking be stopped? And a featured chat with singer-songwriter Jackie Francois Angel. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. In December 2013, the Supreme Court of Canada found that the laws prohibiting brothels, public communication for the purpose of prostitution, and living on the profits of prostitution to be unconstitutional. In response, the Conservative government of Canada responded with a proposed rewrite of the law with some additions. For the first time in Canada's history, the buying of sexual services would be illegal. For the first time, prostituted or trafficked people would be seen as victims of coercion or circumstance. And for the first time, the government of Canada will provide millions of dollars to help women and youth leave prostitution. This is a recognition that the buying and selling of sex quite often involves slavery and trafficking. But at the same time, many do not see the connection between prostitution and sex trafficking and advocate that the solution is the legalization of prostitution. While all this is happening, 
two filmmakers travel across 10 countries exploring the issue, trying to answer the question, how can we prevent sexual exploitation before it happens in the first place? And to tell us all about their film, Red Light, Green Light, I am now joined by producer and co-director Jared Brock. Jay, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Deacon Pedro. So, just to be clear, what is the status of the prostitution law in Canada right now? So right now, it just passed second hearing, so now it's off to Committee on Justice and Human Rights. Uh, it'll go through committee, and then reporting, and then it passes third reading, it'll go to the Senate, and then royal assent. And we've got to get all that done by December 20th, otherwise we'll have coast-to-coast fully decriminalized prostitution with no voting necessary. So lots to do. So fully de- if, if all, none of that happens before December, fully decriminalized prostitution across Canada based on the Supreme Court's decision of last year. That's right. Okay, so how did you and your wife, Michelle, end up getting involved in this issue? <laughs> yeah, so we've been running a charity for about seven years called Hope for the Soul. Our mission is to uh, end sexual exploitation one word at a time. Yeah. And we'd made another film before, and... Uh, you know, doing a lot of awareness, but we'd actually tried to avoid the prostitution debate for a long time. But then uh, we sensed that this Supreme Court case was coming down the line, and um, we knew we couldn't um, keep it separate any longer. We knew that prostitution and trafficking were linked, and so we went to 10 countries to look at different models to see how countries were dealing with prostitution. And our, our question the whole time was, what is the best way to prevent sex trafficking? So wait, let me, let me back up. So you were, you were, you were, uh, your, your website or your organization, Hope for the Sold, is specifically to deal with sex trafficking and sex slavery. Why were you, why didn't you want to go into the prostitution debate? How, was there... Because, yeah, because it's such a heated issue. You know, both sides were so polarized and angry and there's this huge you know kind of gray area of choice like for example if a girl is over 18 and she's selling her body is it her choice if she was trafficked as a 14 year old you know those are questions that we had to we wanted to avoid but eventually we decided to tackle it anyways so you figured out that you couldn't you couldn't deal with one issue without dealing with the whole issue which includes the other issue (laughs) yeah they're so connected you know um, prostitution is the end destination for every single sex trafficking victim. So yeah, of course. we knew that we had to deal with it. Yeah, of course. So your filmmakers, you went off to 10 different countries, including countries that have legalized prostitution and countries that don't. So what did you find? Yeah, so we went to places like the Netherlands, and we went to Sweden, and we went to Switzerland, and Germany, and Austria, and Hungary, and all over the States, and Canada. And what we found is that, on average, when a country legalizes prostitution, they have an increase in demand for paid sex. That kind of makes sense. If something's legal, people are more likely to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, We did find a hopeful alternative in in Sweden. Uh for far too long, countries have been given kind of two extreme options, prohibition or legalization. Yeah. Um, Sweden decided to take a third way. They met in the middle and said, hey, let's help these girls because they're overwhelmingly victims of circumstance, but let's also deal with the Johns, the guys who are creating this problem. We're paying place. for the sex, yeah. If no one was paying for sex, no one would be trafficked for sex. Right. So that's what they do. So that's the, the sweet, because I've heard a lot about the Swedish model. So mm. the Swedish model criminalizes the buying, so the John, the guy that's paying for the sex, but not the prostitute. That's right. There's no other case in Canada where we criminalize the victim. So, for instance, if there's a battered woman who has an abusive husband, we never arrest the woman to get her away from that. We go after the guy who's causing the problem, same with the rape victim. So, 
we think that this should also apply to prostitution. So how is that working in Sweden then? Is it successful? Yeah, so Sweden, compared to countries around it that have legalized prostitution, have way less trafficking and prostitution. We actually talked to the head of anti-trafficking in Sweden, and they Uh said that they've capped uh, wiretap conversations with pimps and traffickers who said, yeah, we can't sell girls in Sweden. It's not profitable. No one's paying for sex. We've got to choose something else. So, yeah, it's, when you end demand for something, it drives up the market. So the, the argument that de- uh, criminalizing it would drive the industry, if I can call it that, underground, mm-hmm. did you find that to be false? Well, we've heard that argument a lot. What's interesting about that is prostitution can never go too far underground because um, there has to be a way for men to be able to find it to pay for it. So yes. I'm a guy, and if I really want to pay for sex, I will find it, no matter yes. how far underground it is. Yes. So we interviewed a number of police officers, and they said, hey, we just think like John. If John can find prostitution, we can find prostitution. Yeah, of course. The, other, the, the bigger issue, of course, is um, you know there's always going to be an underground market for child pornography and child abuse and heroin and things of this nature, but just because something's underground, does that mean we should somehow legalize it? I think the bigger question we should be asking is, do we want to make it easier or harder to pay mm-hmm. for sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, I, I, I was very struck by one of the, one of the persons, pe- people you interview in the film who says that the, the, that the analogy is you have a sweatshop, children, you know, slave labor, and, and let's just make it safer for them, give them a fan instead mm-hmm. of, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's the analogy. Um, uh, hope for the sold uh, dedicated to putting an end to sex trafficking, is that sort of the hope of that organization? Yeah, that's that's our goal as a charity is, um, you know, if we can end demand for paid sex, we can end sex trafficking. You know, there's always going to be guys who are going to be willing to pay for sex. But if we can deal with the 80-20, you know, the college bachelor parties, the guys cheating on their wives, the sex addicts, if we can deal with the majority of it, if every country in the world adopted that kind of end demand approach, we would literally see the prevention of the abuse of, of millions of women and children in our lifetime. And we just met so many victims. And so many burnt-out aftercare workers that were like, man, we need to go far upstream and prevent this before it happens in the first place. So you, you spoke to a lot of victims, and I'm sure you've, you've met a lot of them. You deal mm-hmm. with them. Uh, th- did you find uh, commonalities? I- I- is there a way to educate uh, kids as they're growing up so that they don't fall in the traps? Or is that, you know, what do you do yeah. to prevent it? There was a lot of commonalities. Um, child abuse in almost every circumstance. Mm. Uh, poverty. Uh, racism plays a huge role, right. um, you know, exploiting vulnerable people groups, um, age, just on and on and on. Um, we definitely can do a lot more work in schools. Um, we interviewed a, a woman in, in Las Vegas who her big issue that she's trying to deal with uh, at her program is um, grade 12 boys pimping grade 9 girls out of bathroom stalls at public high schools. So we can definitely do more uh, prevention. That said, you know, if every woman in the world had a doctorate degree and made half a million dollars a year, if men are paying for sex, someone will still find a way to traffic women. So we definitely need to educate girls, but we also need to train up our boys to help them realize that, uh, you know, people's bodies are not to be bought and sold or rented. Mm -hmm. Do you see, uh, because I mean, the the film primarily or mostly deals with women who are trafficked. Do you see similar problems with men who suffer from sexual slavery? Or is that not? Yeah, we did meet a man who, as a boy, had been trafficked all up and down the eastern seaboard of the United States. Um, 
so it, it definitely happens to boys. Um, we specifically focused on, on girls, on females, because yeah. overwhelmingly this is a gender issue. Uh, yes. Women are being targeted. What's interesting is whether it's a, a boy or a girl or a woman being sold for sex, it's still overwhelmingly men who are paying for sex. Some yeah, people think that prostitution is a women's issue. Right. I'm convinced that this is actually a men's issue. Right, right. Um, so you're 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 taking the film uh, all over the place. Um, yeah. What's your hope for the film? Where can people see it? Yeah, we've been uh, we've shown this film in over 80 cities in the last seven months, and uh, our hope with the film is that people will come in with an open mind and be able to hear the stories to. Um, off with these uh, people that they're going to see on the screen and really walk away with an understanding of this is how we can prevent sex in Canada and America and countries around the world. Um, we've got to start targeting the market. We've got to start focusing on human worth and gender equality and dignity, things, you know, deep values that we hold dear. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's been amazing. The lights come on in the, in the eyes of, you know, thousands of people across our country. If they say, oh, okay, I understand this, I get it. That's, it's really gratifying, but we got a lot of work to do. So. Yeah, no, that's good education. Um, thank you for, your, for what you're doing. I, I love the film. I think it's very important. I'd encourage everyone to, to learn more about it. So it's redlightgreenlightfilm.com. You can find out more information there as to where uh, where you can watch the film or, or how to, I don't know if it's on DVD or if it will be. But, uh, Jared, thank you so much for what you're doing and uh, for you and your wife, Michelle, for what you're doing and, and keep up the good work. Thanks for having me, Dr. David. Jared Brock and his wife, Michelle, are the founders of Hope for the Sold. They are also the directors and producers of the film Red Light, Green Light. You can find out more at that website, redlightgreenlightfilm.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Jackie Francois, with Cornerstone from her album Divine Comedy. Father, you're faithful in every age Across every culture and land You call to your people and hope to restore Our lives which we built on full sand All things will pass away Save you
Show us your divine power and give us the hope to stand firm and steadfast in was Jackie Francois with Cornerstone from her album Divine Comedy. Jackie Francois Angel is a full-time speaker, singer-songwriter, and worship leader from Orange County, California. Jackie has two albums, Your Kingdom is Glorious and Divine Comedy, both published by Spirit and Song. A great part of what Jackie and her husband Bobby Angel do is speak about chastity, love, marriage, and relationships. Jackie is a popular speaker also at Steubenville conferences, and in fact, next week, she's going to be at the very first Steubenville conference in Toronto. So I'm very happy to welcome Jackie back to the Salt and Light Hour. Jackie, welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still getting used to the Jackie Francois Angel thing. So Yeah, so, <laughs> so is everybody else. It's okay. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so good. Congratulations on your marriage. How, thank how's, you. How's that going? Oh, it's awesome. You know, we people say that your first year of marriage is the hardest, and um, we kind of found that our dating engagement year was, was the toughest because, you know, you're learning how to communicate. Well, hopefully, hopefully people are learning how to communicate, right? And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, we had to learn how to communicate and how to, like, argue in a healthy way. And, and so that was kind of, I think once we learned how to deal with each other's temperaments and, and how to, like, communicate in a good way, that actually helped for sure our first year of marriage. First year of marriage has been great. And, uh, you know, we've been traveling a lot together when Bobby... When Bobby can come, especially like on a weekend, he works at an all boys Catholic high school uh-huh. during you know Monday through Friday. So um, when he can come on a weekend, it's it's awesome to have him there. Okay, well, you were both speaking about chastity and relationships and all that theology of the body before you met. Yes. So so what? It, you should be experts in relationships, no? Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. You, you know, we both love Pope John Paul and um, theology of the body. We also love his book, Love and Responsibility. Yeah. And so we not only share, you know, the knowledge from, from Pope John Paul, who, man, those writings are just amazing and, mm-hmm. and transforming. But, you know, we can share our own experience in, in relationships and um, how we've, you know, done well in relationships, how we've, you know, failed in relationships, and um, just give that advice, especially to youth and young adults, hoping they don't make the same mistakes and mm-hmm. hoping that they realize that they were made for so much more, you know, and um, I think the problem is not that people have too high standards. I've noticed that the problem is people have too low standards and just want to be loved. And so a lot of times we'll settle in relationships for something that's maybe not healthy for them or um, mm-hmm. good for their soul. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a busy year. You got married and now you're expecting. Yes. Um, in expecting Aug- a little baby girl in oh, August. Okay, so you know it's going to be a girl. I was going to say baby angel, but angel's going to be the last name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, congratulations on that. How how has how has motherhood been so far? It, it's been great. You know, it's, especially you're you're thinking about somebody else already. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that you know people say that you know marriage and parenthood is obviously there are a lot of sacrifices, but there's a lot of joy. Um, and obviously, our culture is very 
when it comes to mirrors and children. It's very cynical. Um, yeah. But it's it's beautiful, you know, when you start living for someone other than yourself. Yeah, you gotta you gotta learn to die to yourself. But I know that that's gonna keep happening through you know having children and. Um, but it's such a it's such a beautiful gift and such a miracle. Like I just this little baby girl is like a ninja in my belly and <laughs> you know kicks and moves around and. <laughs> Um, and I know that not every, you know, I have friends who, you know, aren't able to have children and mm-hmm. um, struggle with infertility or miscarriages. And so I know that it's, it's a blessing and it's a miracle and I don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but pregnant, I've been very fortunate to have a good, very easy pregnancy, especially with all this traveling. And, um, right. you know, I just, I prayed in the beginning, I said, Lord, please, <laughs> I don't want to be on stage throwing up, you know, <laughs> like, no. please. Please help me, uh, you know, <laughs> help me with that. And, and sure enough, I, I've, I've been great um, the last seven months. So Good, good. Like they say, the last two months are always the, the, the best. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You have the two albums. It's been a busy year, so I don't think you've, I mean, you certainly haven't been recording. But I get mm-hmm. the sense that you're speaking, and I know you use your music when you do speaking, when you do the talks, but speaking more your passion, the, 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 the blog even that you have. Um, is that where you see your ministry going, moving towards? Well, you know, again, you said I always, I always include music when I do speak, um, especially because I feel like using humor and everything yeah. in a talk, it kind of breaks open. You know, it, it kind of lets people lets people let their guard down, and mm-hmm. especially with teenagers who kind of it's like confirmation kids. You know, they come in and they're like, I don't want to be here. Um, definitely using humor and stories. Um, that that helps them to laugh. It helps them, you know, just to feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then for me, like leading worship at the end, that's kind of a great opportunity just to lead them in prayer. And a lot of them maybe haven't experienced that. So um, when it comes to speaking, probably about eighty percent of the ministry is mostly speaking. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe twenty percent or less is pure concert. Right. So um, I always, you know, try again, try to include music in in the speaking part to lead people in worship and lead people into prayer after after I've given my talk. Yeah. Do you think you're s- of yourself as a songwriter? Yeah, and, and you know what's difficult about that is for me, the more I'm traveling and, and the more I'm busy with that, I don't write songs, I just don't have time as much yeah. to write music, so I'm, I'm hoping that when baby comes and I have <laughs> two months off and I'm completely sleep deprived, <laughs> you know, but I'll have time and I'll get yes. four days of <laughs> You know, once, not traveling. Once baby comes, you will not have time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, the Lord might inspire me. Um, and, and as songwriters are all different, some songwriters, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I know some professional songwriters, and they sit down and they can come up with a song. They can crank out a song. That's, yeah. To me, that's kind of not like my gift. My mm-hmm. gift is, um, and how God works with me as a songwriter is, if I'm reading a book or something inspires me, or if I'm in prayer and. Um, Sometimes songs will come really quickly. They'll yeah. come and you'll just start writing, and in 10 minutes you have a song. And sometimes they take years. So, yeah. you know, if, if I'm sure a baby is pretty inspiring, <laughs> but <laughs> That's also true. pretty tired. So, That's true. You know, I'm, I don't know how, what God's going to do. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so, but I'm definitely, you know, writing songs. I have a ton of songs that aren't published yet yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what, you know, God wants to do with that. Now, some of your songs are going to be uh, published in the new Spirit and Song hymnal. Can you tell us about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the Spirit and Song hymnal, the vision for that was that we would have a yearly 
hymn novel that would be updated with contemporary music. Yeah. So basically it takes the best of Spirit and Song 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I've been using Spirit and Song 1 and 2 yes. since I was, you know, in college yeah. um, when I would lead music for Mass. But there were so many songs that were coming out um, and so many that we were writing, other like newer artists were writing, mm-hmm. that weren't in a Spirit and Song 1 and 2. So the vision was that the Spirit and Song hymnal would take the best of Spirit and Song 1 and 2, plus all... You know, all the newer stuff. So, for instance, I probably have like six or seven songs in there from um, from my albums that are for liturgy or for mm-hmm. worship. And then, you know, we also have songs that we're using um, that aren't just for, you know, just Catholic suffrage, like Mighty to Save by Whole Song or yeah. um, different songs that we as worship leaders, you know, we as worship leaders use a lot in our ministries. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, they, they asked us um, when they were doing this book, like, what songs are you using a lot right. when you lead worship? So, or in mass, even, you know, mm-hmm. that obviously are in line with the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah. You know. So when is this coming out? So it's out already. And oh, it people is. Can, and, um, yeah, people can start ordering it for their churches. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind, it can be a companion to yeah. Breaking Bread, which has a lot of the um, traditional hymns, and it has a lot of, you know, hymns from, you know, John Foley and, yeah. um, you know, all those kind of people. Yeah, all the classics. So... Yeah, so Spirit and Song Hymnal is like a, kind of a good, it's a good contemporary um, kind of version of that. And you can have it in addition, you know, just depending on your parish and, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, what, what your parish is like. Every parish is different. So. Yeah, no, good. It's a great, I have one and two, so I'm looking forward to, to this one. I didn't know it was out yet. Um, you're coming to Toronto, Steubenville next weekend, July 4th, 5th, and 6th. Um, for people who are not familiar with Steubenville conferences, what what can they expect? Um, so Steubenville conferences, you know, Franciscan University of Steubenville started, you know, years ago, 20, 30 years ago, yeah. started having these conferences on their campus, and it spread all over the country, now outside of the country, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And, um, and basically, there, it's a three-day, you know, weekend conference for high school teams, and normally there's anywhere between, you know, 1,000 and 5,000 at each mm-hmm. conference. But there are, I think, 20 conferences all over the country. And these teams come, they hear all these um, speakers, mm-hmm. and they have great music. They have, you know, mass on Saturday, a big mass on Sunday, yeah. have adoration, um, reconciliation. And it's really just, it's a, an evangelization conference for, for teens to get into their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing, you know, when I remember going in high school, it was so awesome to see thousands of other high school teens, just like myself, you know, having yeah. fun worshiping God and knowing that, like, just because you're Catholic doesn't mean you have to be boring. <laughs> yeah. But that you can, you can be joyful and you can sing and you can dance and you can have fun. And um, and a lot of the speakers, you know, I know I've gotten to meet all the speakers that do the conferences, and um, these are people who are living out their faith in a joyful way, in a relevant way, and they're they're all very different. And um, mm-hmm. and so these teens can relate to these speakers and their stories and their their witnesses of what it looks like to be a Catholic in today's world. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, we're gonna be I'm gonna be there. Salt and Light is gonna be there. We're we're live streaming all the talks on the internet, and most of them will be airing on Salt and Light Television. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. I know people can't register anymore. In fact, it was full. I think the week that they opened the registration, it was full. But oh, wow, but maybe some of our listeners are already registered and are going, but or their kids are going and they're not sure what what it's going to be like. So so uh, um, no fears, it's going to be good. Jackie's going to be there. 
Um, <laughs> so, um, it, well, that's what's good about Student Mill is that they're, when it comes to the Catholic faith, they are very much um, Orthodox. Yeah, they're and they solid. Teach what the Catholic Church teaches and um, give these teens experiences to encounter Christ. You know, yes. opportunities to encounter Christ. Yeah, solid. And and that's what it is. It's a good, solid church experience, which is what right. we need. Jackie, that's all the time we have. But thank you so much. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person next weekend. And uh, thank you for what you're doing. And congratulations again on, on marriage and on baby. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'll see you next weekend. You can learn more about Jackie Francois Angel, purchase her music or book her at her website, JackieFrancois.com or at SpiritAndSong.com. Here now is Jackie with Divine Comedy from her album of the same name. I searched for my whole life, but I never found your eyes. Looking for love among the lies won't do. So I kept on waiting, my heart broken in defeat, until you came and romanced me, oh you. It's easier to settle, than choose what is right, to wait on love is harder than the grave. We're listening to Jackie Francois Angel with the title track of her album, Divine Comedy. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. They're available there thanks to the support of our generous donors. So when you listen to a program, please consider supporting what we do with a financial donation so that we can keep the Salt and Light Hour on the air. And that's also where you can listen to uninterrupted music all day long on our four online Salt and Light radio stations, which are made possible thanks to the wonderful support of artists like Jackie Francois and Spirit and Song. Go to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio and learn how you can listen to online or on the go on your mobile devices. This is our last regular show of the season, but we will continue bringing you the best of the Salt and Light Hour all throughout the summer. Remember, you can stay connected with us via Facebook. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. Like I said, this program is completely free thanks to donations. So thank you for considering us when you're making your charitable contributions. I'd like to thank all the people that make this show possible. Alicia Ambrosio, our Vatican Connection and news producer. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. Jillian Cantor is our parenting expert. Danny Torquia, our public relations expert. And Sister Marie Paul Curley is our film expert. Our sound technician and technical expert is Javier Capella, and the executive producer of this program is Father Thomas Rosica. I'm your producer and host, Deacon Pedro. Come say hello on Facebook. Look for Deacon Pedro or follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for supporting what we do, and thank you for listening to the Salt and Light Hour.